1: AM and 98.1 FM. Each week we have a show called Ask Brian, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. And I just want to make sure everyone's here. So is my co-host Tracy, are you there?
2: I'm here. All
1: right. And we won't say anything about our guest. We're going to have to have like a real, real long time to get into it so we can explain who she is. But before we get there, (laughs) and by the way, Trace, it's nice to have you back. We have a Stand-in co-host when you're not here, and we missed you.
2: Well, Um, thank you. I missed you guys, too. I was forced to take a vacation to Mexico, twist my arm. It was so stressful to have to do that, but I thought of you while I was away.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's good. It's always good to have people thinking about Ask Brian, A S K B R I Now, this week, we're going to welcome in a new engineer, Matt.
3: Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing great, but last week I was being welcomed in as the new engineer, so how no, much- you
1: were being welcomed in as the new Mr. E.
3: Oh, I see. Okay, great. And
1: we're not talking about Mr. Ed, for
3: those people who- Mr. Listen. Ed, you know, a lot of people do say I look like a horse, so- now,
1: Hold on. And our guest really knows a lot about horses, which is why I brought it up. Oh. <laughs> She's a cowgirl, so, but we're not going to be doing the Mr. Ed show. That's for a different episode. Oh. However, for today- All right. Everybody asks us why we spell Ask Brian with an E. Even my guest said, why do you spell it with an E? Nobody understands. So, every week we try to explain it to people. So, if you listen to the show, you probably know. But if you haven't listened to the show, we're going to try to explain to you why is Ask Brian spelled with an E. I mean, there's 10,000 reasons, but we come up with about five or six. Matt, give us one of the reasons why Ask Brian is spelled with an E.
3: Well, the first, and in my opinion, most important reason that Ask Brian is spelled with an E is because it stands for education. And education is what drives this country, right? gets us to the next place. We try to educate our listeners each week about business.
1: Well, that is absolutely correct. Although, you know, this is not for the entire country. We're locally focused on business Uh, orientation, entrepreneurs.
2: It's for the entrepreneurs and enterprises everywhere. How about that for some people? Well, that's possible. What happens when they take a vacation?
1: Oh, my God. No, take a vacation and drink a Red Bull before the show. But
2: (laughs) You know I'm not allowed to touch Red Bull. This is me without caffeine. Can you even imagine that? Well, and
1: that's another thing about Red Bull, because, again, we're dealing with a cowgirl who's our guest. So she deals with horses, Mr. Ed. She deals with Red Bull, not the drink, but the bull. In fact, I even (laughs) saw her on a bull. I mean, this is really, really funny. So...
2: (laughs) I'm really not seeing any of that in her LinkedIn bio just <laughs> <saying> now, though. <so. laughs> I
1: have videos, so uh, one day we'll show. Anyway, what's another reason why we have an E?
3: So E also stands for experts because our guests are experts in their field.
1: Okay, now our former person, Patty, <laughs> he never understood this concept. Or he did, but he just wasn't mathematically inclined as you are. So people want to know, to become an expert... You know, what do you need to do? What's the criteria?
3: No, it is a rigorous journey. Let me tell you, Peter, to become an expert in anything. It is a rigorous journey. Do you think you're journey. an
1: expert on the ease yet?
3: Absolutely not. I don't have <laughs> the time under my belt. And speaking of time, it takes quite a bit, 10,000 hours to be exact. And want a lot of hours. It is, but you can break it down piecemeal and that's how you get things done. You break it down <laughs> into little pieces. So there's 52 weeks in a year last I checked.
1: At least on Earth.
3: Right, yeah. I'm from Mars, Other, other
1: planets, you know, they have different, you know, yeah. I think in Mars it may take a longer time. I think Venus, closer to the sun, is probably shorter.
3: Yeah, and Mercury right. is in retrograde right now, so be careful. Weird things happening. There's 52 We're, weeks. weirder through. than this show. I don't know about that, actually. <laughs> But 52 weeks in a year, (laughs) we'll take two weeks off for a little rest and relaxation for vacation. So we'll call it 50 weeks. There's 40 working hours per week. So when you multiply 40 working hours by the 50 weeks that we work each year, that's 2,000. You got to go for five years at that rate to get to your 10,000 hours to be an expert.
1: I think that's absolutely correct. Although somebody pointed out to me last week, and they are correct, I don't know of any entrepreneur who's starting a business who works 40 hours a week. So it's probably two and a half years because they're probably working 80 hours a week. That's true. Unless you're someone like Tracy who can only work two hours a week. But, you know, not everybody's, oh, <laughs> I only don't work two hours
2: a week. Are you kidding me? And by the way, I'd like to take the you to point out that that specifically said it was our guests that are the experts, so we don't <laughs> count that mathematical cool equation anyway,
1: so there. Well, especially since <laughs> half of us can't add. Now, what's another reason why we have E? Because the guest is like going, what did I get myself into? Why am I here? <laughs> and what am I doing here? I could have gone horseback riding. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> We're
2: going to lunch before she called in.
1: Well, she
3: certainly could eat lunch by the time we get done, but go ahead. E is for enthusiasm, because being enthusiastic leads to excellent results. Another E right there. Excellent results.
1: You know, that's an interesting thing, and I'm really glad you do it. We also use excitement, because we get excited. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> We're just so
3: excited. <laughs> Honestly, I would run through a brick wall for you right now, Peter. That's
1: the kind of people I want.
3: <laughs> that was unbelievable.
1: Tracy's going, oh my God, now what did we create?
2: <laughs> Two episodes in and he would run through a brick wall for you. Okay. i do
1: going to war I paid a lot of money for that. I paid a lot of money. In fact, now I'm going to need a loan from you, Tracy, because I won't be able to do anything with all that money. I have to pay him to say that. Anyway.
2: Oh, I think that's very <laughs> endearing, which is a new E that we have never bought for it before. But that was very endearing.
1: We're not too endearing anyway, nor are we that other biggie that people say about shoes and stuff, right? Right.
2: Oh, empathy? You mean the what you lack? Yeah. That's oh, that. Well, yeah, empathy.
1: And, <laughs> and also remember, yeah. the problem with me for empathy is, you know, I just can't fit in anybody's shoes because my foot is just so big. There's no shoes. So, I mean... You know, if I'm trying to get a size nine into its pair, two, it's not going to work. That's why I can't empathize with people. Now, if I had a smaller foot, maybe I could do that. Or if I put a foot in my mouth like it did right now, that's possible, too.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, You always have a foot in your
1: mouth. Sorry, but that, that, better than the soap when my mother put me in when I made some unusual comments. Anyway,
3: <laughs> <laughs> moving right along, getting back on track.
1: Yeah. Well, not on track.
3: Right. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of tracks, E is for engineering, because you can't run a show without yours truly an engineer.
1: But do you know what Tracy's most favorite is? No, what's that? Well, it starts with Reese Lightning.
2: <coughs> I'm so happy to have the favorite car week. It's electrifying. Woo-hoo!
1: electrified. (laughs) You are electrified. When you listen to this show and you learn everything and you find out what's happening at this show and you hear the beginning, you're going, wow, wow, wow. How did I miss any episodes? And guess what? I will never, ever miss an episode again.
3: Are there any other E's? Yeah. Well, my favorite and probably the most important E is for entrepreneur.
1: I'm glad you said that because you're an engineer and you didn't say you was an engineer, so I'm really glad you said that. (laughs) But our show is for entrepreneurs and we are trying to teach people, educate people how to do everything. We're going to have to move along because we do have a big show here today. We have a great guest.
3: And so without any further ado, and why do I like that word? I believe it's because it's French, but I also might think it's because (laughs) – you must have been a big fan of the sound of music growing up, huh? Yeah.
1: No, and first of all, we, the only thing I know about French is French fries. Oh. And we call them freedom fries for those of us that age.
3: No, really. Your favorite <laughs> word, "adieu" is because it has one consonant and the rest are vowels.
1: Absolutely correct. So
3: do you have a drum roll? I
2: see you. All
1: right. He doesn't have that yet. We'll do that. But what's it? All right, you got to get to do something, right? You know, I'm the Robin Williams of educating businesses. All right, so without any further ado, our guest is going. What did I get myself into? And when I see you in person, we're done. But okay, anyway, Reagan, are you there? Hi, yeah, I'm here. Wow, so you actually passed the first test. Eighty percent of the people just leave, but you actually survive. No, actually, <laughs> we've never had a guest leave, but anyway. Reagan and
2: they just thought about it every single
1: week. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are branding at least for that. So, Reagan, let's have a little bit of a, about your background. I know you have a great venture that you're working on now, but just give the audience a little bit of a background, summarize what you did the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. I know you're really young, so it's not going to be that long in business, but you do have the requisite experience and expertise to qualify for the 10,000 hours. So, just give the audience a little bit about your background.
0: Well, you are too kind. I'm going to set aside... I'll stop being mean again, but go ahead. I'm going to set aside all the other E's I had written down. I was very excited about my list of E's. (laughs) But a little bit about me. I'm Regan DeLaffrey. I work for 113 industry, but my background, I spent 12 years in pet food, actually. Um, I'm from Pennsylvania, and I worked for a family-owned company at the time, which was Dad's Pet Care, fifth-generation, family-owned. And I'll keep this short for the sake of time, but an exciting ride on with this company over those years got to start when we were a small regional brand and we continued to grow, expand nationally. And I found a passion, actually, if you can believe it, in private label pet food and pet food in general. And my career evolved into becoming the director of private label for this company, which changed names over time to aid with pet nutrition. And then I moved on to director of sales of a Walmart and then moved over to the J.M. Smucker company for two years as a director of private label. So a lot of pet food experience where I primarily focused on sales and commercialization. Got to be a part of an incredible time when the pet food industry and the company I worked for specifically was revolutionizing the category. And started when, as an intern, when we were around $50 million and ended up being a part of the sale, which was almost $2 billion when we ended up selling to the J.M. Smucker company. And we did so at the time by being where consumers were when they were and the way they wanted to be. So we brought high-level pet store quality nutrition into the grocery math market as a leader. And we were able to bring a considerable cost savings, bringing access to fabulous pet food, and it really changed the game because it opened the doors and almost forced some of the larger brands into grocery Math, So now we can walk down the aisles and buy fabulous food for our pets. And since that time, I took some time off and, uh, and had an idea about using data differently. It's At my time, the one thing that I was challenged with, especially in private label, I'm looking for scrappy insight. How can I be there for consumer without a huge budget, without access to all of everything that maybe big brands have? But I want to do right by the consumers and bring them what they want. So I learned how to get scrappy with insight. And the one thing I found again and again, whether it's through consumer surveys or focus groups or even concept tests, it's hard to really get to ask the person what would you do in this situation? What would you buy? And have them answer in a way that is truthful or that they know. So consumers don't always know what they would do. And especially when they're asked leading questions or you have a smaller set of consumers, it's hard to extrapolate. So there's always a gap for me in getting to what consumers really need in an authentic way, which led my way into the fabulous company I work for now, 113 Industries, which I truly believe is, at the forefront of a revolution of how we're going to understand consumer behavior moving forward.
1: Well, that was interesting. Now, this company itself. Your role there is in sales or marketing, or what's your role?
0: A little bit of all of that. My role is director of growth and strategy, and I work for two incredible individuals who started the company and are also Carnegie Mellon. Have been at different points in their careers adjunct professors and guest lecturers in Innovation, machine learning, and natural language processing.
1: So one thing before we go any further, I just want people to know, Carnegie and Mellon were quite unusual and exceptional entrepreneurs who founded the college, Carnegie Mellon. Mellon was one of the fifth richest people in the world, and he still owns the bank, Mellon Bank, his family, So, although it's been done. So a couple questions. A lot of people don't understand this whole data, insights, analysis, whatever. They might work on a Google Analytics and use no numbers there, but they don't really understand. So can you give us an example and try to explain to us what you're talking about?
0: Absolutely. I'd love to. So there is a wealth of public information available in the conversations that we have every day online. So how I usually describe this is this is the public Accessible information that we're getting, not the creepy information we're not spying on anybody. This is if you would go online and you would post a concealer or do, or you would go onto a brand's Facebook page that's public and you talk about the brand there. So, what we do is access that data. We use a provider called NetBase Quid and we access the data there. So, we are getting up to millions of conversations around a topic. So, I can type in words that if the sentence happens like this. If we're using a pronoun like I, it's followed by a brand name, and now some kind of purchase indicator, I can look for that specific language, I can pull it over a time period. And what the company I work for does that makes it so unique is we are able to take all of that data and we funnel it through an application, but use basically how you break down a sentence and the computation behind it can cluster conversation in themed groups. How is conversation coming together and how is it connected to each other? And in that, we're able to see some really fascinating things, a fascinating connection. I'll pause in case you have another question where I can give an example of something we can find.
1: Well, I want to do an example, but before I get there, is this software or a logarithm? What are you using to get this? I imagine you're using a logarithm with some automated software. Is that correct? Or how does that work?
0: And this is where I start to go, Ooh,
1: I will you don't not have the 10,000 hours here. Okay, got
0: it. <laughs> I don't have the 10,000 hours here, but at the highest level, so we actually purchase a software platform that gives us the data. And then the fabulous team at 113 has created proprietary software themselves that uses AI. And with the basis of natural language processing and then the computer essentially, maybe there's like wizards back there. I'm not sure how it works. That was my attempt at a joke.
1: Well, I think they know that they're from Kansas, right? Because that's where Dorothy lives when they went to the city.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it It must be. I think they have the red slippers and everything.
1: (laughs) And, of course, you know, the same thing with the empathy and fitting into those shoes. Now, so give us one example of some data that you would get from your company that would help somebody in business.
0: Absolutely. I love this example because often what we can find is something that is obvious yet not apparent. So we had a large juice company come to us, and the juice, with all of their, across their portfolio, their juices are growing as they expected it would be with the trend that consumers are looking for a more healthy alternatives. But their cranberry juice wasn't seeing a growth of these other juices, and they had done the studies, they had talked to the consumers through surveys, they had done focuses, and they couldn't get to the bottom of why is cranberry juice not growing? So we look at conversation around this brand and cranberry juice and try to unpack what is going on here. Are there behaviors we're seeing that can indicate something? We like to call them compensating behaviors or a workaround solution. And we find those in patterns that happen. And what we found here is this really funny behavior that individuals, women, are, they'll buy a cranberry juice and as they're shopping in the store and they put it in a cart and then they cover it up with their coat. Or they, when they get the cranberry juice home, if they're going to take it to work, they transfer it to an opaque container or they hide it in their desk.
1: So they're closet cranberry juice drinkers. Got it.
0: They're exactly. <laughs> they're sneaky. They're sneaky cranberry <laughs> users. I don't, know I don't know idea of them. And I'm wondering, Tracy, if you might have an idea of what's going on here.
1: Well, it's not there, so I don't know <laughs> why. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: is it because the females have a tendency to have UTIs and cranberry juice is often a a remedy for urinary tract infection? Well,
0: we're going to give you a
1: golden star. That
2: it's the yes,
0: <laughs> brilliant. It was almost like queued up for that. I love it, Tracy. It, and more than that, it's the perception that women have that other women will think they have a UTI for drinking cranberry juice. So, for so other hold they on, where do they don't, they're hiding
1: cranberry juice, but they're not hiding, you know, the tampons, a the ten-pack of beer, and alcohol, and everything else they're putting in their cup. <laughs> That's a little okay, but it's a I don't a know. I'm have
2: to <laughs> and this. Yeah, this is Ugh. so fascinating to me, though, because I mean, a lot to Peter's point is that there's so many other things that are so much more that could be perceived as being judged by or feeling that you could be set yourself for a much more judgmental situation. This is so fascinating to me that people obscure their cranberry juice to prevent judgment around the possibility of having a UTI. Wow. Wow. Absolutely. And it is fascinating what we can
0: uncover, how many times people surprise me. <laughs> conversations that cluster that come together surprise me. Yeah. It happens day in and day out.
1: And how did you come up with that? How did you make that determination that so, women were doing this?
0: So when we look we might have hundreds of thousands of millions of conversation on the topics that we build. And so we're looking for conversations that have juice, cranberry juice and purchase trip or some kind of purchase indicator in it. And it has a personal pronoun. And we've also eliminated the software allows you to eliminate bot and advertisement. And then when we feed it through our system, we can see clustered conversation come together. And then what we'll see is people talk, so maybe it's hiding or transferring And that linking word brings an entire group of conversation together. And then the technology goes in and tries to identify what is connecting these conversations together and gives us a label. And then we can dig in. There's a big human element, too. So once we see this cluster, our analysts go in and start digging in and saying, what is the common pattern here? And so in this case, we might see that consumers are talking about covering it with their coat, hiding it under something else, hiding it in their desk. And that's when we start to unpack or unlock those behaviors that mean something.
1: What was their solution? You know that mm-hmm. people were doing this.
0: Well, this was a little bit before my time, but I do know that the team worked with this company, one, to do some rebranding of the existing product, but then also to help launch a line that ended up being urinary truck specific juice that addressed it specifically with the element of pulling consumers over to that brand and disassociating connectivity or perception with their staple brand.
1: Oh, that's very interesting. What are you currently working on right now?
0: I am currently working on understanding how pet concealers, not just one specific breed, think about their shopping trip across retail. So whether I own an iguana or a horse or a dog or a bird, how do I choose my retailer? And what are the table stakes and the differentiators, the tiebreakers? that I need to make my decision in that retail selection.
1: Tracy says, for the first time ever in this show, I'm going to try to pivot. Uh, she's never done that before,
2: so. <laughs> <laughs> sarcasm abounds. I love it. <laughs> and I am going to pivot the conversation towards the entrepreneurship side of things. I think customer feedback is such an essential part of any business's growth. And they operate. a lot of times, entrepreneurs can operate in their own of and just create content, create products, create services because they're visionaries, they're creative, and then they just go and put everything out there. But really being able to get insights and feedback so important, especially like, for example, what you shared about the strawberry juice, which is so fascinating. So the challenge, I would imagine, is that the entrepreneurs don't have the same level of budget for research and focus groups and customer feedback that the larger corporations do. How would you recommend that an entrepreneur get consistent feedback from their customers? Oh, that's, that's a fabulous question.
0: As you can imagine, there's a lot of different services that you can purchase understanding the surveys and books as you mentioned or digital analytics that you can purchase. But if I had no budget and I want to leverage and understand my target consumer, one of the things that I see as very effective in some of the work that we do is, believe it or not, a Twitter account and posting regularly up to daily. But the key is making it authentic and about you, bringing yourself into that message. So we see less engagement when it's marketing, salesy, consumers, individuals, humans, they know. We know when there's a paid ad versus somebody talking authentically from their heart and individuals online are getting more and more fatty. They know when that influencer has been paid and they know when somebody's talking from their heart. In fact, we saw a correlation where in one category we looked at the number of Twitter followers that a brand had in this category was almost directly correlated to the number of times the brand was mentioned outside of Twitter. So the more engagement that's happening on social media platforms that you are putting out there and you're getting engagement from, the more people are talking about your brand. And again, I'll go back to that authenticity. One other thing that we see is that humans engage more with people they connect with and moments they connect with, not Plata. So we see less engagement when you have the picture of the bag of potato chips versus Somebody you relate to in a moment in their home having those potato chips that they go, I, that's me, I get that. And especially when there's a heartfelt message, not sure what the heartfelt message is, potato chips at the moment, other than I could use a few. But <laughs> <About> <laughs> something you can go, okay, that's me. I see myself in that moment. And that's what consumers seem to engage with and they love talking about. Also just fun, quippy comment. And I think I'm coming to like Skittle had, I thought Skittle did a brilliant job of this. So they had whoever managed their Twitter account said, Hey, everybody, I have a meeting in 30 minutes and I have to tell leadership that I'm doing my job. Somebody give me something to put on a slide. And I think there was something like 900 comments that came through of people just laughing. And then the person running Skittle's Twitter said, okay, I'm in the bathroom. I have 10 minutes quick. I need some more. And that kind of engagement individuals love the humanization. And you can imagine what something simple, so all somebody doing at this on the other side of the fence, or the uh, the moat screen, if you will, at Skittles, is just having a real dialogue with real people, and it
1: works and it's engaging. Tracy had a couple questions for Reagan. Go ahead, Trace.
2: Okay, great. So Reagan, what are some of the other important criteria for gathering customer feedback? And getting the comments and reviewing comments on social media, I think are obviously a good way to gauge engagement, but what is an entrepreneur wanted to find out whether or not, and let's say a service-based organization, for example, if their customer satisfaction rating was high, is that something that you would recommend that's done through surveys or polls, or what is a way that people could really get a good gauge on a service-based industry, for example?
0: Well, I'll speak from the bit of personal experience I have without claiming to be an expert in this specifically. But I think if your service or product has a number to call, having a representative that on the other end of the line, but it works at your company and knows about the company and having a dialogue with them and an excellent tracking system for that. And then you can simply, if you get enough conversation coming through, enough phone calls coming through, then you can run your own queries and do your own, I'll say, form of AI on that. If you're not truly AI, but you can look for the patterns yourself. So if you're arming your customer service team on the other end of that call line with the light questions, you can get some rich information from individuals on what their experience is. And I would say to just not ignore what seems like something small. Interesting. I saw a Reddit thread the other day talking about what was one thing you wished would come back or what kind of product change would you like to see? And there was something like 4,000 upvotes on the handy wipe or baby wipes and pulling out one and getting three. And people talking about the different things that they do with these extra wipes. And my point of saying that is, it might seem small to you as a business. Something like, oh, well, yeah, people get three wipes out. But something so small can create 4,000 people saying, that happens to me too, and it's so frustrating. So paying attention to those little nuances that make or break your product and that engagement with your product, I think is very important. And simply listening to what's coming through on that call center line. One other thing that can be done now, if you do have any kind of access to social listening, whether it's a company like 113, who's doing a robust consumer behavior model or simple social analytics, you can look at sentiment. So sentiment is a pretty straightforward measure that looks at the positive versus negative conversation that's happening around your product. And is it, above or below what brands in your space or services in your space are? And is it going up or down over time? So if you have a really negative net sentiment score, or low net sentiment score, and you know there's a lot of heated, frustrated conversation happening.
2: Well, I think too, like just using your baby wife, for example, if you walk the scenario all the way through, what the customers are really frustrated about is value because babies mm-hmm. are expensive. And so if you only need one wife and you're getting three, you know you can't put those other two back. And so you're going to go through the package faster, which means you're going to have to buy more packages. So I think, I don't know if that's directly tied to consumer behavior modeling, but at the same time, it feels like this is a consumer behavior that's dictating satisfaction or unsatisfaction. And that gives the business the opportunity to have that insight. That's like, this is a bigger deal than just an inconvenience. This is a cost value ratio experience. Oh, I love the word value. And, it's
0: such a nuanced word with several interpretations, but I think it's fascinating because value can change over time and value doesn't just mean money. Like in, in the example you had, I might have enough weights on me, but if I'm, my pack's going to dry out because now I have to keep it open, I can't shut these whites back in, that's another lens of value. And as you can imagine with pandemic shopping behaviors changing, but, but one of the things we observed in one of the studies was value is changing in terms of convenience. Convenience in one lens for consumers has become a safety factor. If I can get in and get out, if I have access to delivery or pickup or other service messages, that convenience not isn't just about my time anymore. There's a safety value in that. So value can change over time. So I just love that you brought up that word, Tracy.
1: Tracy, you had another question for Reagan.
2: Well, I think my most important question of the day is how can people get in touch with you if they want to continue this conversation or get, you know, as the services of your company?
0: Oh, absolutely. So anyone who would like to, to visit our website, which is 113industries.com. And I can be reached at Reagan, R-E-A-G-A-N-D, as in dog, Reagan D at 113industries.com com
1: might well spell industries for people they don't know about IES yet and why is this so
2: oh yes definitely no I'm glad that he did that so what I was going to say thinking of spelling it out is that if you didn't get a chance to write that down then you are welcome to go to wherever you download your favorite podcast because all of our live radio shows are repurposed as the ask Brian podcast. So. Search your favorite podcast platform for Ask Brian B R I E N the podcast, and you can catch all of our previous episodes and go back and get contact information for Reagan for this episode. And as we move towards the close of the show, we have talked a lot about business and work and lots of tips, but we haven't talked about personal passions. And I'm there. I'm an equestrian. It one of yours. And so I would be remiss because I just didn't ask you about your love for horses. <laughs> oh, Tracy, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I am a, a horse enthusiast and, and I ride dressage, if you happen to know what that is, primarily. And I also do some cowgirl stuff, which
1: is cow sorting. <laughs> So you must have a a lasso.
2: We had to make sure we brought it up or else you would just be, people would be curious about your cowgirl status this the whole entire episode.
1: (laughs) Well, she's a cowgirl, but don't you live in a city or near a city?
0: I do. I wish I could have my horse on my property, but I boarded a stable. But most of my life, I spent understanding the philosophy of dressage, which is absolutely beautiful sport. Actually, the first writings on dressage go back BC. So thousands of years ago were the first writings on the development of a horse and the partnership between horse and rider. And I just find that fascinating. And it was the development of the battle horse, how you train a horse to move in sync with your body when you're on the battlefield. So I think that's absolutely fascinating. And recently, I guess that didn't have enough adrenaline for me because we're not battling anymore on horses. So I said, what's the closest thing? Well, let me try to put cows in order in 60 seconds and see how many I can get and it is so much fun first time I did it my knees were just shaking it was just an adrenaline rush but I can't ride a mechanical bull unfortunately as we've just discussed
2: because can herd a cow it's like that's huge not, not everybody can herd <laughs> <was> a cow <laughs> the work does most of the
0: work it's remarkable how smart they are
1: oh That's very interesting. We had one question from somebody and they were asking us about polls because you discuss polling a lot. So somebody said to me, what's the minimum number of people you need to do a poll? And are you using like something like SurveyMonkey, if you know what that is, or LinkedIn? What's a good approach for a small business owner that doesn't have the manpower or the finances that a Clorox does?
0: I think polling sessions is great. And especially if you have something where you have an email database. So in the previous episode when I was in pet food, there would be a high value coupon or a giveaway that you access that giveaway, then you gave your email address. And so once you get that list of email addresses, it's a great avenue for polling. I would at least want 100 if I was going to run a poll on something to understand. But even if it was a little bit of fun, I would access some level of social analytics, whether it's Google Trends or social listening. And why am I' I steering in that direction is because in serving pool questions, you start with the assumption of you know what question to ask. And in my experience now with 113, what we often find is you're asking the wrong question. The data screens out what consumers want you to hear, and you are often not even recognizing the question you need to ask. So I would turn first to digital conversation. It's unprompted, it's authentic. And it's consumers letting their guard down and telling you how they feel. That would be my first avenue. But if I did want something very specific, I would try to get an access to an email database, especially of my consumers and ask them directly, hopefully to have a hundred or more participants.
1: One last thing I have on that is, it seems to be like an art or a science, right? I mean, it's not necessarily getting the number, say 85 people like this or 95 people like that. It's the way you write the question because you can I mean, actually write the yeah. question to get the answer you want.
0: Absolutely. And also allowing for an open-ended text block is another one. So if there's an opportunity there that you can ask or leave a verbatim text, then you start to get richness in that. Now, if you're having... Let's say salad wins. Okay, that's going to be very difficult to manage. And you do need some NLP technology over to get that quantity. But if you let's say you have 100 or 200 folks and you're having a polling question. I would want that open-ended box. Tell me what you want to tell me that I haven't asked yet.
1: Well, I'm going to have to do that on a different show because we're coming to an end. And I know a lot of people <laughs> have tears.
0: How did an hour go by? This is so fun.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? We'll have you back on because we need to learn a lot more about, you know, Putting the cattle into the ranch and all those other <laughs> things. What happens after the cattle are in the ranch? What we're going to do with that. So, without any further ado, over and out, thank you very much. You listen to the Ask Brian Radio Show with KHTS 1220 98.1 FM with Reagan and Tracy. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.